0: Islam, salamu family. What's going on with everybody? I pray everybody's doing well. We're back once again with an episode of Tech Building Podcast. I think this is episode 12. Yeah, episode 12. Um, And this is a very important subject for me, a very important topic for me that I've been thinking about for a long time. And I'm finally going to put it out there. And hopefully I can... (laughs) I always look at this as a situation where I can put a topic out there that's been on my mind a lot. And then I can let it breathe, you know what I'm saying? And so typically, I like to record outside, I just like to see the sights outside, I go to the park or something like that, and just allow myself to be in nature, so to speak, while I'm recording, so just enjoy the birds chirping and whatnot in the background, and let's go ahead and get right into it. Today's episode is going to be called, The Death of Competition, um... I just feel like it's really appropriate. And so I'll go ahead and start with the. The first thing that's on my mind when it comes to the death of competition. OK, well, I guess you could say, well, why do you think competition is dead? I feel like the. Let's say prestige. Let's say the intensity of. And I, and I wonder, and there's another word or phrase that's coming to my mind, and I'm trying to really think about, it's kind of just the, it's along the lines of intensity, but it's just like the, I would say the pride and honor, right? That That doesn't really exist anymore. And so what I mean by that is, I kind of think that now today, in a lot of different areas, that things are more generally... Soft it's like an overall softness that goes on with in competition, so i'm obviously I'm a big rap fan, battle rap fan, video game enthusiast, you know what I'm saying eSports, I guess you would say enthusiast, um obviously a, a really really big sports fan so and I always grew up in very competitive atmospheres, you know what I mean so just that was something that was a very big part of my life, you know what I mean and one of the things that i love just about the competition is really the drive to be better than your opponent um i really don't see anything i can see how it could be perceived as toxic i can see how it could be perceived as like you don't have to be like that to be successful but i really that's something that i really enjoyed about competition competing you know what I mean? I I I've never was a rapper, but what I really liked about rap is like, I, I'm i a rapper. You're a rapper. We grew up in the same neighborhood. We're going to battle. We're going to battle to see, <clears throat> you know what I'm saying, who has the better lines, who, who's the better technician, craftsman. You know what I mean? Um I'm a chef. And so, but getting into culinary school and then after culinary school, I watched a lot of Top Chefs. I feel like I've seen every episode of Top Chef at least once, and I just, I I really just loved it. Like, I watched Chopped too, but Chopped, I felt, was a little bit kind of more on a silly side because you get these crazy ingredients, you only got a short amount of time to cook them. Not Not to say that Top Chef was not like that, but it just felt like it was really more for the reaction factor of getting, like, a chocolate bar, some pears. Some chickpeas and, You know what I mean Some like rosemary You know what I'm saying And turning it into a dish But uh, Top Chef was really just trying to get to see Who was the best chef on the show So with that being said What I mean by softness is I really feel that I, I guess I'll just I'll give this little Other piece of background I don't consider myself to watch be like an anime person you know what i mean i really like anime i think that you know what i'm saying it's it's a cool genre or a form of like a cartoon um the first anime i think i ever watched was fist of the north star and I, i think i was just like watching tv late at night it was on showtime or it was on one of the movie channels and i watched it i don't really know any of the characters names but I just remember it was like a cool anime. It was a little graphic, you know what I'm saying, for for kids, but I felt that it was really cool. And so I grew up watching also the main anime, the only anime that I've really watched a lot of episodes of is Dragon Ball. You know what I mean? Watch I never really watched Dragon Ball till I got older. Then so I started out watching Dragon Ball Z on Toonami then um watched Dragon Ball GT a little bit later here and there on the DVDs. <laughs> I would get these DVDs, like people would let me borrow them and then I would watch Dragon Ball GT. And then obviously as an adult, i watch um Dragon Ball Super. The element of Dragon Ball that I really love is the the desire to just compete. Like Goku and Vegeta they do want like they they're trying to fight to save the earth and things of that nature, protect their friends and family but also there's a drive to just demonstrate their power and drive to compete. And so I guess that's kind of what I mean when I when I speak about softness. Softness for me really means you don't really want to go hard in the paint. You don't really want to get down and dirty so to speak with it. You kind of just want to be like, yo, the easiest route to victory is the best route to victory. You know what I'm saying? And I I don't subscribe to that as a as a uh as a man and as a competitor that makes logical sense but also that's not necessarily what i'm here for you know what i mean so i will say in i will start with in the video game world in the esports world i began to play halo um as it i, I feel like this was shortly after i left culinary school because i had never played it before i always played Madden, and, and like i would say to people like Man, uh Halo's for white people. You know what I'm saying? Cause I just never I never knew anything about it. Always played Madden. And so I watched um one of my friends. He uh he bought Halo 3 when it first came out. I think we all walked down. He got it from like Radio Shack or something like that nearby the dorms and culinary school, he brought it back. And it's my first time ever playing it. Really enjoyed it. And then so we went to one of these two these two white boys. They were they had it in their room, they were playing online and they were playing um like split screen or whatever and so i remember watching the one guy play and it was the way the fluidity and how he was playing and how he was kind of like dominating the game and how he was really like in control of the game and it was it was really awesome to see and i kind of like fell in love with that element of the game and so i always joke about this when i left corner school i went and worked at amazon inside the warehouse Amazon by far the hardest job I've ever had, like hands down without any question. So I worked at Amazon and I got one check. I think I worked there for two weeks. I got one check. It was a good. It was good money. And I went down. Me and my cousin caught the bus to the mall, and I went and got the um, Xbox. Got all the. You know what I'm saying the membership and got the controller with the keyboard thing, and whatnot. I got the whole shebang. So came back and I was a scrub in Halo. Then so long story short, very long story short, I got pretty good at the game. You know what I mean? And again, I really enjoyed the technical aspect of the game. Shooting the BR, using the sniper, playing objective, getting flag captures and things of that nature. I enjoyed the technical element of the game. And so and then also the teamwork element that was something that was really special. So anybody that that was around and knows during those days of Halo 3 knows that Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 was out at the time. Also, I'm not sure if it came out before or after. But so we would play Halo maybe 8 10 hours a day and then at the end of the, at the end of the night we would throw on Modern Warfare 2 to take a break from what we considered like a serious game to now we're playing modern warfare 2 it's got the noob tube it's got the ump45 um what i forget the thing that makes your footsteps silent some i know somebody's gonna be able to tell me after i forget but um it had tools in the game that we just considered it was just for fun and so we get on there, we have, would have a blast. Like, one of my favorite things on, on Modern Warfare 2 was, uh, Search and Destroy. <laughs> Search and Destroy, that, that's my jam, and, uh, Kill Confirmed. Um, so... Then, as I, as I got older, you know what I mean? So, we're, we're still playing, we're still doing what we do. But, then there was, like, so after Halo 3 was over with, then Halo 4 came out. Which, Halo 4, well, I guess it was ODST, but ODST was not, it wasn't really, like, a real thing like that. Um... And then I believe it was, I want to say it was Halo Reach, right? It was Halo Reach. And this is when they did the DMR with the Bloom and the different kind of things of that nature. We, uh, we still played um, Halo Reach. It was I thought it was a pretty good game, but never really took it that Omega seriously um, from a competitive standpoint. And then it was Halo 4. Halo 4 was, pretty, was a pretty good game to me. Um, and then, you know what I'm saying, we go down, fast forward to Halo 5, and now Halo 6 is out. And between Halo 3 and Halo 6, the element of competing has drastically changed. And I'm going to go and touch on one more thing before I get into the meat and potatoes of of this particular part of the subject. I also, so after, shortly after Halo, I believe, I want to say maybe 4, Halo 4, I began to get interest in, because a lot of my friends played, street fighter they play fighting games in general but one of those was street fighter and so i began to watch this player called pi smug and he played this character very infamously called um dudley and man when i watched him (laughs) how technical he was how smooth he was i mean obviously pi pi smug or smug you know i'm saying he's hilarious so watching his stream was awesome but the way he would just dominate with with Dudley I was like man um Street Fighter seems like a really fun game to get into this was at the tail end of Street Fighter 4 shortly before uh Street Fighter 5 came out so I'm like yeah when the new Street Fighter 5 come out I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to like I'm going to go hard in it you know what I mean so Street Fighter V came out, I'm playing Ryu. I love Ryu. You know what I'm saying? I just love the character from the beginning. Um I mean, I guess I guess I'll get into it. I guess the like the reason why I picked Ryu is like I like balanced characters because theoretically in my mind is if you do something really well, that can become a weakness in crucial moments. So if you do everything okay or good, then that means you can um, uh, overachieve, and at a, at a more consistent and reliable rate. Theoretically, doubt that, that's my thinking. So I'm playing for you, and I'm enjoying it. You know what I mean? But um, then these are people that are telling me this, um, a Street Fighter Four pros and people that are prevalent in the FGC. I'm seeing it on social media and whatnot. How the game has become a lot easier. Um, from what I was told Street Fighter 4 was very technically difficult you couldn't just pick up Street Fighter 4 and just be immediately good at it they I mean I'm saying my friends talk about that all the time it was like you had to practice you had to really know your character you had to really know um, your matchups and things of that nature wasn't an easy game I mean probably even so to this day there's certain combinations I can't do you jump on Street Fighter 5 you could do I could do the same combos Daigo you know what I'm saying so, then I begin to really like look at and analyze competition, and one of the things that would come to my mind was I'm like, man, imagine if they made the rim, they increased the di- diameter by a half inch or an inch or whatnot, but then, no, not not, but then, but so let's, so let's just say they increased the diameter of the rim, and then more people are making threes. So the people like Steph Curry or like at the time you talk about guys like uh Kyle Korver, JJ Redick, Mike Miller, people like that, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be able to be as as stand out because so many more people will be making threes because they've increased the diameter of the rim or if they lowered the rim by an inch or two. People that couldn't dunk before on a 10-foot rim now they lower the rim down by a few inches or whatnot. Now more people are dunking. So I just think to myself, does that make does that make a person better because the game is easier, the goals are easier to accomplish? And I'm like, well, I felt like immediately the answer to that to me is no. You know what I mean? But then in conversation, I would hear things like, "Hey man, a win is a win." I I never even to this day I, I don't subscribe to that. Uh my bro Sky Zoo said he said something along the lines of it's not about it's not about winning, it's about who you body to get it. Something along those lines. And that's kind of like how I live. You know what I mean? Goku's fighting Cell, and before Cell fights Gohan, he gives he gives Cell a Sensu bean. Vegeta wanted to allow Cell to transform or to absorb 18 so he can fight him at his full power. Just two minor examples. That is kind of like my energy. I don't really want, like I said, if I could just get a, a, a quick, easy, free win, or I, like I play a game called Hearthstone now, I don't want to play a broken deck or a broken card or something like that. I just, to me, that's not fun. The fun in the game for me is Learning the character, learning the matchups Learning execution, learning situational awareness And things of that nature And then the application of that in real time That's fun to me I feel like if you're playing a video game Just to strictly win by any means necessary Now you're not Like I feel like the point of video games is to have fun first That's the reason why we're doing what we're doing We're not, you don't pick up a video game like, yeah, I just want to beat everybody. That's initially not what you're doing it for. So I'm seeing this change in competition from a video game perspective and the change in dialogue from people where, again, like people are saying like, oh man, yo, a win is a win. And I'm thinking to myself, like, man, we're kind of like, it's degenerative how we're perceiving just winning. That brings me to another point about what I call, and again, I'm not nobody's um professor or bachelor degree holder or anything like that, but it just brings me to a point of what I like to call the operating principle. And the operating principle really just means um, it's kind of like essentially you find a loophole in something or kind of like how in economics It's like you try to find Certain loopholes in A given system you know what I mean So if Let's just say I'm trying to think Of something real quick and random I remember watching this video On I believe this was like World of Warcraft or some or A game like that Where they have this currency But then there was a bug or some type of exploit that you could do where you were able to duplicate the game's currency. And so you're dealing with people, human beings, if you have an opportunity, let's say the piece of gear that you want to get costs 500 gold and you only have, uh, let's say you only have 500 gold, but now there's a a way for you to duplicate your 500, you're going to do it because it's like... Why not? You know what I mean? If there's a if there's a broken character on a game that has an unblockable or if there's a magic, a combination of buttons you could press that would insta-kill your opponent, people are going to do it because it's like, why not? So that's kind of what the what I look at as the operating principle because people can say what they want on the surface and make things seem to other people, but at the end of the day, it's what your goals are and what you're really trying to do that's going to determine, and especially if we're talking about competition, the goal is to win. But that don't mean you like the Patriots and you start recording people's practices or sideline signals or you start taking steroids, trying to get a competitive advantage. This this is what I mean by, you know what I'm saying, the... Uh, Degenerative thought process when it comes to gaming. So I'm seeing these changes in in the, in the esports world, in the digital world. You know what I mean. So I also watch a lot of battle rap. Big, big, big hip hop fan. Um, not so much a big Drake fan. So I obviously have a lot of respect for Drake because you know i saying he has a, he has a big impact on on hip hop culture. Period. So. I have to respect that but one of the things i didn't i didn't really like i now remember this uh not like it was yesterday but like it, you know what i'm saying i do remember it very vividly when i heard the quentin miller reference tracks that i guess meek mill put out because at the time i guess it was going back and forth when i heard the reference tracks i'm like oh no this is a huge problem can't can't have that now at the time I'm I'm listening to a lot of Drake. I'm not gonna hold, you. I mean, because anybody, you knows it's like, yo, Drake is one of them ones. I mean, so far gone. Take care. I mean, you can go on, and on, and on, and on, on, and on about Drake's classics. But then, so I'm, I'm hearing the reference tracks, and I'm like, oh no. And the way I break it down is, again, in the culinary world, if I come to your house and I prepare a meal for you and your significant other, and you guys enjoy the food. We sit back, we laugh, and we you like, oh man, Tony, this food was great, da da, da da And then you find out that night, or the next day, or or sometime later, and it's like, I didn't cook any of the food. And then it's like, I ain't even come up with the menu. Then the person will be like, Well, <laughs> what are you here for? You know what I'm saying? Like, what did, what was the what was your purpose? You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like specifically in rap. Different from a lot of other genres like r and b or other instrument heavy genres of music hip hop I'm here for your voice and your story, your creativity your introspective um representation so if you're not creating the music i'm i I have a problem with it. And of course I grew up back. You know what i I was born in 1989. So essentially I, I was raised in the nineties and it was like, bro, you couldn't steal nobody else's bars. That was a no, no to me. That is still a no, no. And the same thing in battle rap. Now we have today in battle rap where you can steal somebody's bars in battle rap. That's really only about the bars. I mean, if battle rap is not about the bars, you know what I'm saying, lyrics, then it's like, yo, what, what else are we really doing here, you know what I'm saying, like, I don't, it's probably a lot of people that have cool personalities in in battle rap, but there's no beats, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, there's nothing going on in the background, I'm just here for listening to your personal creativity, and when people come out and get exposed for, for stealing lines, then you have people's fans coming out. Oh, man, this happens all the time. Oh, man, Um, I I still, I like the the other person that stole the bars. I like his version better anyway. Making all these different kind of excuses that wear away at the foundation of the craft. We're making these like, it's kind of like a nip and tuck, or it's kind of like termites eating away at the foundation of the principles of the craft. So you're not you're not writing your bars and battle rap, but because people like you, we're gonna accept it. Drake, we're gonna let you take other people's songs, have the weekend writing X amount of percentage of your album, but because we like you, you have a cool personality, it's cool. I I say to that hell no. <laughs> like, I don't I never will subscribe to that. You know what I mean? So that's really in a uh in a um That, for me, is what I mean when I say softness. It's like getting away from the principles, the tenets, the important things that make an item what it is, and making excuses, um, cutting corners, cutting people slack for things that you really shouldn't be able to cut people slack for. You know what I mean? And I just don't appreciate that when it comes to competition because competition is about, one being a master of your craft striving to be a master of your craft and then competing against someone else to see who has a better mastery of that craft but if you're just picking the top tier character that has an infinite unblockable that you can do from full screen bro why am I even why are we playing this that's not even entertaining for me you know what i'm saying so it's like that's that's what i mean by overall softness that i really feel like has become very um pervasive in all different forms of competitive platforms battle rap video games and whatnot and then so next i will go to the it's like the do what you want attitude I'm going to say this is, I, I promise, this is probably one of the last times I ever bring this up because the bitterness that I have behind this is very real. Anybody that really knows me knows I'm a big New York Giants fan. And then I'm a big Eli Manning fan. When the Giants drafted Odell Beckham Jr., I don't remember the exact time when we did it, the exact year rather. But I remember I was in a restaurant, I believe it was World Cafe. And I was getting a drink. I think I was getting some Sprite or something. And I was looking up at the screen when we drafted Odell. And I was like, man, I think this guy is actually too good to be on the Giants. Like, too talented. Being A quick sidebar to explain that. Like, for me, it depends on your team. Because when you have somebody that's supremely talented, it can throw off the chemistry of your team. And how it likes to move. So when you get a great receiver like Odell Beckham Jr., it's like, all right, you got to feed Odell because, yo, we have Odell. He could, he could turn a slant to a 60-yard touchdown, which is true. I mean, nobody can nobody can even come close to throwing shade on the fact that Son is impeccably talented. You know what I mean? He has an an infinite, there's no ceiling on the amount of talent that this brother really has. So that was my first initial thought. So fast-forward through a whole lot of nonsense. We make to the playoffs. I believe this might have been Ben McAdoo's first season as coach. We make it to the playoffs, and we're going against the Green Bay Packers. And again, anybody listening to this that really knows, you know what I'm saying, sports and a little bit of sports history, this was the infamous boat trip that Odell took um, himself and some other Giants players on a on boat trip. My issue with that was, I would say, is because it's still. You know what I'm saying? I still feel the bitterness. This is not a part of the recipe of becoming a champion. Now, obviously, at this time, Eli and the Giants have already won two titles, so you can say that with, conf- excuse me, you can say that with confidence. This is not a part of the recipe of becoming a champion. So, but then, so I remember like my sister, my brother-in-law at the time was like, yo, he's a grown man. He can do what he want to do. And it's like, yo, things are bigger than the game and da 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 So I'm like, okay, cool. It's no problem. That's fine. But in my mind, I already know like, yo, this is not, this is not good. I know that it's not good. You know what I mean? So not only did the Giants lose in that playoff game, but Odell Beckham Jr., had his worst professional game, probably at that point in time in his career, he had his worst professional game that he's ever had. Multiple drops, you know what I'm saying, big situational drops, just not a really not a strong performance at all. And the reason why I'm omega bitter about that is really, I had a strong feeling Eli had a great chance to win three Super Bowls. And in that Super Bowl, anybody that watched it and knows the Giants' history and Eli's history, playoff Eli was in full effect. Playoff Eli was in full effect. He was locked in. And I'm I'm looking like, okay, I've seen this before. We about to get loose. Eli's about to take us back to where we know we belong. And Odell Beckham, I mean, we're talking about dropping touchdowns. Dropping uh, third down conversions. He played his worst professional game up to that point in his career. And I knew it was because he was not focused on becoming a champion. And then real quick, it's like so when you go to the um the Los Angeles Rams, you got Cooper Cup, you got Staff, you got Aaron Donald, you got these different kind of Jalen Rams, you different kind of people. Oh yeah, now you're happy. Oh yeah, now I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna focus and try to do my best to demonstrate that I want to be a champion. Of course but you you sink our chances. Okay. This do what you want to do attitude is a problem when it comes to competition. Because you're looking at yourself the individual and the choices that you want to make as an individual and you're putting it above or separating it from the team's overall goal, each individual person collectively making the team. The goal is to win a championship. But in today's society, oh, you know, do what you want to do. You don't got to do this to win a title. You just make all these different kind of reasons why you don't need to be as disciplined as you should be. It's very, very, very degenerative. It's very harmful. It has a cancerous effect on the fabric of competition. So that brings me to my next point about what Odell did. It leads into my next point. So, of course, Odell gets in the post-game conference, and mind you, he didn't uh, play very well. He had a lot of drop passes, and obviously we lost. And he took zero accountability for what he did or what he didn't do. That was really the, the, the cherry on top, or that was the last straw, you know what I mean, in a situation where I was really done with Odell. You can't do something like that and then take zero accountability for your actions and that takes me to the point of today it's like nothing's ever bad you know what i'm saying it's like player go one for ten you know what i'm saying they lose the game you drop you drop a game winning touchdown you drop a third down you know what i mean you don't play well it's like uh, okay I, i'll get them next time and this is a part where it gets nuanced because For example, Clay Thompson right now, he's shooting very poorly in the first two games of the NBA Finals. But one, it's a series, so you have an opportunity to atone. And that's probably the main point about that. But also, it is okay to struggle because it's a part of life. It's okay to struggle, it's okay to not play well, but it's not, you should not make it where it's acceptable. And now it's like, and I'm going to, this is the next major um, catalyst. I'll probably say the catalyst um, in the the demise of competition. I'll get to that in a quick moment. But that is that attitude, your attitude and your approach to your shortcomings, you don't want to handle it in a soft kind of way. In Nation of Islam, I believe the saying is, mistakes shall not exist. So it's not to say that Mistakes will not exist because I mean I mean uh, it's not that mistakes won't happen rather But you go back and you make the correction to make sure that mistakes shall not exist in the nation of Islam And so to me, that's a great attitude to take because you know that mistakes are going to happen But you do your best to strive that when it's found out you made a mistake You go back and make the proper corrective action. You just don't sit back and say "Eh, okay, I still got a triple double or i still hit a home run or i still scored a touchdown or i'm still a millionaire real quick before i get to my next point that's one of the major things that as an adult i've realized for the players I've, i'm obviously never i've obviously never been a, a professional athlete but to me it's it's a lot easier to take a loss in the playoffs or a game when you're making multi-million dollars you got a nice car you got a nice home you know what i'm saying you got a nice significant other you go home and it's like, yeah, you might feel a sting for a week or so, whatever the case may be. But the fans, like I said, I'm still bitter about that Odell Beckham Jr. thing. That happened years ago. I don't even remember what year that was. That might have been like 2013, 2014. I'm still omega bitter about that. Because it's like, yo, as a fan, you got to live with it. As a player, it's like, yo, it's it's like my job. When, you, when your favorite team lose and you got to go back to work or you got to go back to school you dealing with it. If it's a regular season game, you're dealing with it for a whole week. If it's a postseason game, you'll be dealing with that thing for a long time. It's like indefinite. So I think it's a bit easier on the athlete than it is on the fan when they take losses or when people underperform. But let me get to the real deal, Holyfield, nuts and bolts of this subject. And I say this with all due respect because I do have a lot of respect for this brother just like i blame jay-z for because i feel like in rap it was about competition but jay-z to me added the swag of yeah i'm better than you and i make more money than you so he threw that also in the mix like yes i'm i can out rap you but i'm also i'm going to outshine you as well i'm going to out hustle you as well the person i blame for the really the demise of competition is one LeBron James. And the reason why I say that is because two two main reasons. I'll start with the lesser reason first. It's LeBron James fans. Now, I will say this first. I will I will I will put this out there first before I get to my point. I think LeBron James is one of the most overly hated players that I've ever come across. Like LeBron is just overly hated it almost is like lebron he can't do no good you know so he can't he can't do anything good for certain people for a lot of people my problem with lebron is the fans don't I, I got to say it like this if you're the king You're the guy, you're Neo, you're Goku, you're, you know what I mean? We go down the list. Your standard is Goku, is Leonidas, is Derek Jeter, is Kobe, whoever. You don't get to have the adulation, the respect, the admiration of Michael Jordan, you know, Peyton Manning, the greatest of the great. But then when you fall short, it's like, Oh, but he's only a human being. Of course he's going to fail. Oh, well, of course he needs he needs a team. Nobody else can win by themselves. Your standard is king. Number 1. So when a person is looking at you, now I'm speaking, now let me speak for myself. When I'm looking at you, I'm not comparing you to Jordan. I'm comparing you or I'm looking at you through the lens of, okay, this is the single greatest player that we've seen play basketball. That's what people tell me. And I would just say, from my personal eye, too many times I've seen LeBron James quit on his team and it was like, he was just salty. I can't rock with that. Now, that's personal, but that, if you're saying like I'm talking about a goat, that's the reason why for me, I can't rock with LeBron as... The GOAT. Because GOAT for me is more, it's like once you're getting on the upper level, the upper echelon of greatness of players, you're not haggling over talent. You're haggling over a lot of intangibles. But let me get back to it. So the standard, LeBron has a very passive-aggressive style of standard when it comes to judging LeBron. For example, he's in year nineteen, I believe it is. He's in year nineteen. LeBron dropped a triple double. Oh man, it's year nineteen. He's dropping a he's dropping a thirty plus point, thirty-five point, triple double. Then LeBron comes out and he has a triple single. He has, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) He'll drop eight, nine, and nine or something like that. Eight, five, and five. Oh man, it's year nineteen. What can you expect from somebody in year nineteen? I don't do that. You got to have the same level of energy. You got to have the same level of standard. So that's the fans' perspective. I think they just, it's too much softness when it comes to analyzing somebody who has the chosen one tattooed on his back. I mean, come on. You're the chosen one. So that goes right into my next um, point with LeBron and the demise of competition. It's no way you would the chosen one and you go and join another superstars team. Now, I know somebody rolled their eyes and, oh, my God, here this brother go. Here go another one of those haters. This is my perspective. If you're the king, you're number one, you're Michael Jackson, you're Jay-Z, you're whoever, you're at the top of the top. The top of the top, for me, does not go to another superstars team. If D-Wade and Chris Bosh come to Cleveland, we don't have this type of conversation. I have to take my talents to South Beach And join another superstar That's Cool I don't have a problem with that But now if you come back and sit back and say to me Well Tone am I I the GOAT or can I be in the GOAT conversation For me no And the same thing like is in rap You can be like Drake is great I I say that I'm not going to go into Drake right now pause but he can say that. Yo, I, right, yo, I'm a great artist. But you can't be in the GOAT conversation. You know, you're taking people whole songs. That strikes you off of the list. Goat is the goat is the, the, the upper crust. You know what I mean? So so when we have this conversation and we look at it, it's like, bro, I can't consider you to be the go because, yo, you joined another superstar's team. Now, why is that the, the main catalyst to being the demise of competition? I mean, because I really feel like it strikes at a major pillar of being competitive. You want to be the reason why your team has success. You want to be that guy. You don't want to go and join another guy and say, okay, I need, I need your help. It's nothing, Again, it's nothing wrong with needing help. I'm not gonna repeat myself like that. But that just takes you out of this type of category. But the problem with that is, or the problem with that is, when people begin to make the excuses. Oh, Jordan needed Pippin. Kobe needed Shaq. I remember people were saying with the with Drake. Oh, other people had Ghost Riders and did like. Oh, yeah. I'm like, bruh. There's a word for that (laughs) in Drake's case. So now because Drake got caught ghostwriting, now everybody got to get brought down? No, you got caught. With, With LeBron James, it's like, don't try to impugn what other people have done in their career because you have made this decision. Like Fat Joe was talking about this Italian guy who was in the street and whatnot, but he turned snitch. And the guy was trying to make this like awkward conversation. He was like, he felt weird being around Fat Joe. But Fat Joe was like, yo, don't feel weird around me. You know what you did. You made it you made a decision. Stand on that decision and hold it down. It's really I mean, really and truly it's it's that simple. You know what I mean? So LeBron making that choice, and then people coming around and saying, oh, yo, it's fine. This player did this, this player did that. When you begin to strike at the principle, you change the entire dynamic or you change the entire foundation on which something is built. And then, so things begin once you, you're saying, as somebody like a LeBron James, you begin to change the meta of whatever you're dealing with. And more and more and more, and slowly but surely, more people like Kobe say, was like, yo, once you start taking a little shortcut here, then you take a shortcut here. Do you take a shortcut there. Then a bigger shortcut, then a bigger shortcut. And then by that time, yo, then your whole thing is different. LeBron James has a very kind of like passive aggressive type of attitude. Oh, I don't want to be compared to anybody. I want to be compared to myself. I'm LeBron. I'm paraphrasing what he said. But then he also says after the Golden State, uh, he came back, him and his team came back from down 3 1, and they beat the Warriors. He said, Oh, yeah, I think that made me the greatest player of all time. Bro, that's a comparison. That means you're comparing what other people have done to yourself. So which one is it? It's passive aggressive. When I'm up, I'm going to cheer. I'm going to be raucous about it. I'm going to be like, yo, beat my chest. When I lose, I'm going to pout and cry and make excuses. No. I've seen this happen. I'm not saying this, but this degeneration of competition has been going on for a long time and now at, at this stage in life you'd be like man a lot of things like yo battle rap is in the gutter right now for me people really don't care about the craft here like a lot of things that are you know what i'm saying it's it's hard to be if you're a really skilled technical battler you're not really rated that highly people really don't care about technique Imagine not caring about the technique in which a craft is established. That's where we are right now in the, in the battle rap sphere, in the, in the gaming, in the espo- uh, esports sphere. As long as you win, hey man, a win is a win. That's not real. Competition for me is about, like I said, testing your mastery of your craft. That's important. I've worked with a lot of chefs. I've only been an executive chef and a sous chef a few times in my career. 95% of the sous chefs and executive chefs I work for, they don't know how to cook. I'm talking about really don't know how to really cook like that. Let alone get on the line, you know what I mean, during the service and be able to maintain a station. What kind of nonsense is that? So, I mean, I really feel like, like I said, man, I grew up with watching players like Dion, Jerry. I got to say this about Jerry Rice from what I've seen. I watch a lot of shows like A Football Life, especially back in the day when I was in high school and whatnot. And... What I really liked was watching, you know what I mean, the build-up stories, like childhood to playing as a young person, playing in high school, playing in college and whatnot. But one of the things, I'm trying to remember who this player, who the player was. It probably was a player for the 49ers, but they said either after the Niners won a Super Bowl or after the Niners lost a Super Bowl, the next day, Jerry Rice was out running routes, catching passes. I mean... <laughs> the amount of determination that that takes and just the mentality that that takes is, man, it's like it's a certain type of cloth. What <laughs> Did you say, like, special clothler or something like that? Um... So, I, yeah, I grew up watching Dion, um Jerry, Michael Irvin, Ray Lewis. Man, Ray Lewis was on, I believe he was on the Rich Eisen show. And he talked about how, I believe he said he ran into Peyton Manning's wife. And she said, man, all he does is study you. He goes in his basement and he just studies you for hours. I'm like, man, that's that's what I'm talking about. That that just that desire that passion now it could be considered toxic. I mean, I I think I understand that, but I think to be at the professional level, the elite level in any craft, you have to be you have to be obsessive. There has to be something on your mind where it's obsessive. I mean, I've heard stories about the honorable minister, Louis Farrakhan, where it's like he'd wake up at like two, three in the morning. he would work out, you know what I'm saying? Exercise for a couple of hours, then get ready for Fajr prayer. And then after Fajr prayer, then he would go ahead and do some more working out or something like that or studying. He would study after that. He would study for five, six, seven hours or whatever to the next prayer. Then he would go back and study. again You know what I'm saying? Then he would go with his do his engagements, whatever speaking engagement he had to do. His 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 full day was round the clock. It's like yo, it's it's obsessive when you're on a mission. I mean, I grew up. I was always a a big guy, and I was never tall. I think like in high school, I'm probably like five five something like that. But I loved. You know what I mean? being a pass catcher, you know what I'm saying, I loved, like, when I was young, I used to always have a tennis ball, then when I got older, I always had a football, and like I said, I always used to watch, um, Jerry Rice, my my favorite player, Dion. I had others, but I used to love catching the football, and so it was so obsessive for me, it was such a thing, it was like, always on my mind used to walk around with a football all the time in high school just had it with me all the time me and my me and my bro we would go into the wrestling room we were both on the football team and the wrestling team we would go in the wrestling room and just play catch I remember one time and I know he would crack up I told this story but it's like I remember one time I'm walking in the gym and I don't know what what's going on I don't know if it's like the end of the day we gotta go to practice or what but I'm walking Got my book bag on and whatnot, and so I think I might have let bro borrow my football. He was like just holding on to it. So I'm walking in the gym. I'm walking down towards the wrestling room, and I this football like was coming. You know, what I'm saying it was over my shoulder, and all I just remember is just just catching it. You know, what I'm saying like the pass came from like over my shoulder. I just reacted to it and caught and caught the ball. And then so I turn around and my bro is behind me with somebody else and they're like bugging out because I I caught the pass. You know what I'm saying? That's the time and the era in which I grew up. It's not about craft. It's not about technique. It's not about passion. It's not about I want to be better than you. That's the that's the root of competition. Yeah, of course it's a team, as you know I'm saying football, basketball, baseball, all these things. They're, they're team sports. But individual talent puts you on the team. That's all. I'm saying that's that's off the rip. But it's about the passion of yo, I want to be the catalyst of why my team is successful. And that drives team success. And we're so far from that now, man it's, it's really sad to watch In battle rap Nobody cares about technique The technical rappers are mid-tier rappers The people that got the biggest fan base The most, you know what I'm saying Views on the battle and whatnot They're good rappers They would always say they're strong rappers But it's more personality worship Oh, I like this person because they're in a gang. Or I like I like this person because how their voice sound. I'll be like, be watching the battle, and I'm like, imagine being in a cooking competition and I make I make a, a a handmade dish, you know what I'm saying? Fresh vegetables, homemade sauce, a pasta, whatever. And then you bring up a bowl of Captain Crunch. And then somebody be like, yo, did you see how he poured that milk in that Captain Crunch? would be like, what? <laughs> oh, no, I, I I, got the guy that made the Captain Crunch. Yeah, 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 I like that. I like the style. Did you see how he poured the milk? Did you see he, he brought it in a gold bowl? I'd be like, what? The tenants is what makes it good. When you watch a swish, it's like... This brother or sister has worked on their form so much That now just not even making it They've surpassed that level It's yo Now it's all net That's what it's about I'm just so passionate about it Because like I said man This is just how I grew up It's really what I love I really love technique I remember Styles P said <laughs> I'll kill you for passion Obviously, talking about in a in a lyrical sense. When J D Kiss did the "Who Shot You" freestyle during the verses, that was about the technique, the skill, the 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 what they call the Genocide Quad, the vibe. But it was in a sport mode. That's awesome, man. And that that right now, people like a JD Kiss or people of that ilk, Were are in. The minority Of course LeBron James Is a great player He's an all time great player But he has a soft Type attitude It's just Yo you're too friendly Before the game Yo everybody shaking hands Hugging they want to be best friends Bruh No No man (laughs) I don't want to be your friend After the game Yeah After the series Okay yeah Cool Right now, I want to kill you. That's what it's about. I got to just salute Kobe, man. Rest in peace to Kobe. His his death is still not quite processed for me. You know what I mean? But I just loved everything about his approach to the game, his love for the game, his desire to be the best, the way that he pushed people, the way that he inspired people. Really just everything about how he really demonstrated what it meant to be a master of his craft. The minister said, the God wanted you to study Kobe Bryant's life. He wanted us to study Kobe Bryant's life. Manifesting his gift. Working on his craft, developing himself. It's not about a shortcut it's not about just getting a win that's corny man so I'm gonna go ahead and get ready to wrap it up man I really just appreciate all the support I appreciate everybody if you made it this far you know what I mean um you catch me on Twitter I'm very active on Twitter at Tech Building Pod um you catch me on YouTube on uh, Tech Building Network I just appreciate everybody, and I'm just going to continue doing what I'm doing, if it be the will of God. So, man, may Allah continue to bless everybody, man. Islam salamu alaykum. Peace be unto you. And always remember, when the devil tries to keep you down, you always show up with the strategy. Peace.